Okay, so um, I'm going to wrap up this long 16-module chapter uh, or season uh, with DNA structure and function. And again, as you're familiar, for those of you who have been listening to this for a long time or have followed Khan Academy, you know that um, he typically ends uh, that you know finishes these chapters um, with you know kind of a you know random information module, and that's exactly what this is going to be. This is just random information um, thrown in. So um, <clears throat> let's begin. Uh, remember, recall that chromosomes are made up of genes, which are just thousands of short DNA segments. Remember that you know your your entire you know DNA strand is just a bunch of nucleotides, and if you group them together, you call that a gene. You group them further, you get you know the entire you know uh, sequence or whatever you need. Um, and remember that in the Jacobino lac operon, we actually refer to these genes as lacs for whatever reason. So just be aware of that. Um, number two, DNA molecules are polymers, which are linked monomers. So for DNA, a monomer uh, is a nucleotide, and then you have the uh, and then the nucleotide is really just a sugar, a phosphate, and a nitrogenous base or nucleobase. And actually, I'm going to talk to that right about that right now. Um, nucleobase is actually the original term that we use for adenine, guanine, cytosine, thymine, uracil. Those are actually originally called nucleobases, uh, and we call them nitrogenous bases just to r- remind ourselves of the you know basic or alkaline nature of these nucleobases, specifically uh, as a result of their um, nitrogen presence. I know I talked about that in a previous module, that it is the nitrogens that make these bases um, bases or alkaline, uh, and that they there's um, some um, there's some interaction between them and the backbone because the backbone is very acidic, right? It kind of balances it out because the uh, phosphate, the the uh, number of phosphate groups on the backbone make the backbone very acidic, and then the rungs of the ladder of DNA are basic, and so there's some interactions between that. <clears throat> um, so uh, it's worth noting, and this is kind of like a this is an official. Um, this is kind of more advice. Uh, in terms of the nitrogenous bases or the nucleobases, um, A, G, C, U, and T, um, they're actually the name of the entire nucleotide, although this name sometimes changes relative to, relative to um, the identity of the nucleobase. And let me explain what the heck that means. So you know adenine, right? Adenine, uh, you're familiar with all of these, the purines and the pyrimidines, uh, are the nitrogenous bases, right? And so that would mean that they're the rung, Right. You know, you don't call. And so what I'm saying is sometimes adenine refers to the base itself, which you already know. That's what we've been doing so far. But sometimes people will say adenine when they mean the entire nucleotide, not just the base. They'll, they'll, call, they'll call this the adenine nucleotide, which is the adenine base, the sugar and the phosphate. Okay. And you might say, wait, but you know, why are you allowed to do that? And the reason is ask yourself, the phosphate group never changes. Phosphate is phosphate, PO4, three minus, no matter what uh, nitrogenous base you're working with. And, um, you know, for those of you who are catching on, you might say, hey, but the sugar changes, right? Like, you know, ribose versus deoxyribose, right? And, you know, yes, that's true. But, you know, when we are looking at specific, like when, if we're looking only at an RNA strand, then we're always dealing with ribose and the sugar doesn't change, right? And in this case, the only thing that's changing is the nucleobase. And that's how we're able to get away with referring to the entire nucleotide by just the name of the nitrogenous base, okay? We are able to, you know, refer to the entire section of the ladder, the, the backbone, the, the phosphate, sugar, sugar phosphate backbone and the rung as just by the rung's name. Adenine refers to the entire nucleotide as well as the nitrogenous base. So it's, it's worth mentioning. And the reason I throw that in, I know it got kind of confusing. If you didn't really follow, um, uh, you know, I'm just saying that, you know, adenine, which is the name of the base, as I've taught you, 
That's the name of the base. That can sometimes be used as the entire nucleotide. And the reason I'm mentioning that is because in as you get further into bio, biotechnology and biochemistry, um, and even like especially in research, you know, people will refer to sections of nucleotides by their base names. And this is the reason why. It's more of a practical application, if you will. Recall, this is super easy. Uh, purines are adenine and guanine, and they are a double cyclical structure. So you have a six-membered ring fused to a five-membered ring. Pyrimidines are a single six-membered ring, and they are cut, C-U-T. Um, you also know that the phosphodiester bonds join DNA nucleotides, specifically uh, between the phosphate and the sugar composing the backbone. Um, and note that the five prime uh, uh, carbon of the sugar attaches to the fo top phosphate, and that the three prime uh, carbon of sh the sugar attaches to the bottom phosphate. That's pretty obvious. I don't know why I threw that. Oh, um, I just mentioned that just so you know that five is top and three is bottom. Okay. Five is top and three is bottom. <clears throat> You're familiar that DNA strands are anti-parallel. So the five prime of one monomer is parallel to the three prime of another. Um, and that just means that the strands are running in opposite directions. Uh, and, um, uh, two DNA polymers join to form chromosomal DNA, the double helix. You're familiar with that too. They're all polymers that join together. Um, complementary nucleobases and complementary nucleotides by extension. This is what I was talking about originally, that the name is the same for the base as the overall nucleotide. Okay. Complementary nucleobases and complementary nucleotides by extension are held by hydrogen bonds. Ooh, this is actually pretty important. I didn't, I haven't touched upon this. So this is definitely, you're benefiting by listening to this module. Um, uh, in the case of A, T, G, and C, um, they, they don't all form the same numbers of hydrogen bonds. Okay, we kind of assume like, okay, there's just one bond, right? Or maybe they all have two, but they definitely all have the same, right? No, they don't, okay? Um, so um, adenine and thymine have one donor and one acceptor. And when I say donor and acceptor, I'm referring to hydrogen bond donors and hydrogen bond acceptors. So what does that mean? Let me translate that. It's very simple. When I say donor, I mean a protic hydrogen, right? It has something to do. It has a hydrogen to donate. And then what does acceptor mean? If donor is a hydrogen, what is an acceptor? What accepts the hydrogen in, 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 a, in a hydrogen bond? What accepts the hydrogen? The electronegative element, right? H, you know, you're familiar with phon, fluorine, uh, oxygen, and nitrogen. So those are electronegative elements that steal the hydrogen. So those are the acceptors. And you know, the proton itself is the donor, okay? <clears throat> so adenine and thymine have one donor, meaning they have one protic hydrogen. I'm talking about their structure. If you look at the structure of adenine and thymine, you'll see they have one protic hydrogen, and they also have one acceptor, okay? One electronegative element, which is either nitrogen or oxygen. There's no fluorine in any of these um, nitrogenous bases. Um, it's probably going to be nitrogen, but sometimes it could be oxygen. Um, uh, guanine, on the other hand, has two donors and one acceptor. So you should understand what that means. Now, two donors, two protic hydrogens, and one acceptor, one electronegative element, either nitrogen or oxygen. Look at the structure and you'll see what I'm talking about. And finally, cytosine has one donor and two acceptors. Okay. So again, A and T have one and one. G has two and one. And C has one donor and two acceptors, okay? So I think of it like 11, 21, and 12. You know, in the ratio, 1 to 1 looks like 11, 2 to 1 looks like 21, and 1 to 2 looks like 12. So just remember that in the order of A, T, G, C, they have uh, the, the ratio of donors to acceptors is 1 to 1 for AT. It's 2 to 1 for guanine, and it's 1 to 2 for cytosine. Again, donors to acceptors. That is that is pretty important. I'm actually glad we touched on this because this is not just a review module now. <clears throat>
Um, that's actually pretty much it. There's a little bit at the very end. Chromosomes are just thousands of genes, which are thousands of codons or three nucleotide subsegments. You already know that. Uh, and then finally, it, uh, the module discusses junk DNA. Um, and it's, this is just the concept that most of your genetic sequence is actually filler nucleotides. In other words, they do not code for proteins. And so for those of you who are paying attention, you might say like, okay, so introns, right? And you're absolutely correct. Introns, but not only introns. Introns aren't the only non-coding sequence. There are multiple other examples. The promoter region, the operator uh, site, uh, the uh, start and stop codons. These are all non-coding sequences that aren't necessarily introns that need to be spliced out. Um, so just be aware of that um, junk DNA as it is called.